0: Anyway, hi, an everyone. <laughs> hi everyone. Hi uh, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of Three DMs in a Tavern. Uh, with us today are myself, Lance, and Spy, the usual suspects, and our guest. Introduce yourself, Nick.
1: Hi, my name is Nick Yurisiva. I am the Dungeon Master of Tales of the Voidfarer, which is d and D five E actual play inspired by Spelljammer. So, and I'm happy to be here. Cool. <laughs> it is in super cool, and we are so happy to have you.
0: In case you, yeah, can't thanks tell, so much
1: like, for having me. We,
0: in case you can't tell, we listened quite a bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that means a lot. Uh, it, it's great to know that people are enjoying our shenanigans and appreciating all the work that goes into it. Because boy, is, that, is there a lot, but, <laughs> but <it's fun. laughs> it is, it is uh, very fulfilling. <laughs> I can imagine. Mm.
0: So. Uh, this is just about our, our usual shindig. We have some questions, and we're going to answer them to the best of our ability. Uh, so the first question uh, is from our friend, Minnie, who asks very simply, uh, and we've answered this one, so I think we're going to let Nick take take this one. Uh, not necessarily from the podcast. It could be a home game. It could be any gaming experience you've had in your in your life. The best Nat twenty and best Nat one stories you have.
2: The best Nat twenty best critical failure that you've ever had or oh, ever seen. Oh
1: man. Okay, I think the best Nat twenty probably is from Voidfarer because it was so okay. unexpected. Uh, So I guess spoilers for (laughs) void (laughs) fair for anyone who wants to watch, which you absolutely should highly recommend. Uh, I'm biased though, but I uh, <laughs> can give
0: non-biased recommendation if you need it.
1: Sure, I,
3: I totally recommend, but I'm also kind of biased because you know space and stuff. So
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was in the uh, not this most recent episode, but the the penultimate episode of Chapter Two when Ravnus was talking to the mutated dragon brain. She rolled a nat oh, twenty yeah. to deceive oh, it. Uh, to basically end that encounter, which was so unexpected, but so cool that I just had to just facilitate that, uh, because damn, was that cool? Um, man, Nat one, I have to admit, I don't remember the Nat ones as much. And I, as a DM will do funny stuff with them, but they're just not as memorable as those super cool, epic Nat 20 moments, you know? Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of struggling to think of a really good nat one. I do have, I do have a runner up for a nat 20, but it's not actually a nat 20, but it was like kind of that same nat 20 moment sort of deal. Uh, and it was in a curse of Strad game that I was running, which was probably my favorite campaign that I've run to date. But in the final battle with Strahd, the cleric used divine intervention and succeeded Um, which isn't a Nat 20, but still rolled, you know, to succeed, rolled below his level. Uh, and after trying all campaign and it never working, it finally worked. And it allowed and what what happened was Strahd had kidnapped a an important character from that from his backstory, uh, from the cleric's backstory, and was holding him hostage. Um by floating him out over the ramparts about a hundred feet away. And Strahd said, I'm concentrating on that spell. If you attack me, I could drop him. You know? Mm-hmm. And oh, so shit. yeah, they were like basically in this standoff. And uh in that moment, the char- the character used his divine intervention to save his friend, and it was amazing. Oh. It's That's
2: an arms moments. outstretched moment right there. Right. That's awesome. Sure.
1: And, and I had the, I had the player stand up and roll the die behind my screen and walk away before he even looked at it. Oh, so uh. I, so I described the scene so he didn't know what was going to happen. So it, it, it created this really intense emotional moment and I was able to ramp it up and then do that reveal. There was tears at the table. It was, great <laughs> uh, so fucking awesome uh huh.
0: honestly divine intervention might be harder to land than a crit
1: uh it depends like uh at lower levels for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, the higher level you get the easier it's getting that and and that's by design but
4: right
0: right mm-hmm. um but awesome thanks for thanks for those stories that that no definitely problem. broke the ice pretty well
4: <laughs> um
0: Oh, here's one. Uh one of my cast members, Shay, asks, How have you ever had your dice rolls line up with a character you've played in like like perfect and unexpected ways? Now I know that in design of the game, the things you're good at you're gonna roll better for because of bonuses and stuff, you know? But like some you can there are times where a character who may not have that proficiency, but you've kind of imagined them to be a certain way just can't fail those kinds of rolls for some reason. You know what I mean?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Like maybe they don't have the persuasion skill, but they are kind of a charismatic character with a little bit of persuasive ability in their RP and they never fail a persuasion check and you don't know how. That sort of feeling, you know? Hmm. I think, I think Shay was specifically calling out Andrea Rogue who cannot roll below a 16 to save her life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Just have that uh that, that dice mojo, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't know how she does it, but as soon as it becomes a rogue-esque thing, she cannot roll below a sixteen. Her bonuses will make things like thirties happen, and I'm just I just have to sit there and cry. <laughs> 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 These are like level 13 characters getting like 30s on their rolls and shit and i know i'm partially to blame for giving them cool items but whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm only Uh. partially to
1: blame (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm trying to think so i think kind of the other end of the spectrum i was playing a uh in in one of the few times i've I've been able to actually play a character recently, but uh a friend of mine was running um uh Dragon Heist, and I was playing a half drow uh, paladin warlock multiclass. And and the only way that happens is if you have an incredibly low wisdom, which he did. My I had a <laughs> wisdom of seven. It's like you know, like I am devoted to my god, but if you say the right things to me, I can totally be persuaded to do whatever you want. <laughs> um, so, like you know, mysterious shadow entity is like, I can give you more power to do your goddess's bidding, and he goes, sounds good but uh yeah so i had a super (laughs) super low wisdom but at the same time it didn't matter whenever i was rolling an insight check i would still roll like garbage so even though i already had a negative two to all of my insight checks i would still roll less than a 10 every time i was rolling so it was just (laughs) that like weird dice synergy where it's like i was already bad at it but the dice just made it comically bad at it (laughs) point where like even to like notice stuff like or with the other with my party members, you know. Uh it would just be we would just start assuming that Cole, my character, would just not notice. Um uh, <laughs> so I was just role playing him as completely oblivious to almost everything. Uh it was a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> oh, so you mean me in real life? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can't lance spy you oh, that's be, excellent you i
2: be. i still think that the most auspicious accidental dice rolls happened when um I've, I've definitely told this on the podcast before but the moment when jatai was hung by his ankles through a trapdoor to shoot an enemy that was like 40 feet away or something like that
0: hanging upside down and shooting has become
2: yeah ordinary. it it started okay so it started as an intentional thing like this was a miraculous series of nat 20s and max damage rolls that i got uh that not only i got but like the people who were helping me out also got nat 20s on their strength and decks to actually hang me so that was like the dumbest and most badass thing i've maybe ever done in D. And then several other one-shots later, um, through a series of accidental nat 1s and nat 20s, um, hanging upside down and shooting things has like become Jatai's signature move, in a sense. Because <laughs> he got a nat 1 to look through a skylight and tripped and fell. And then our gnome barbarian, who is like, what, 3 feet tall and has a perfect 20 strength,
4: I love Tim um, so
2: much. Oh my god, Timmy Alice is the funniest. Grabs the six foot tall Tabaxi by the f- ankle and is hanging him through the skylight. And I got to shoot automatons through the skylight while hanging upside down. Um, <laughs> and by the third time, I just give it into it. So I'm like, all right, I use spider climb and I get on the ceiling and I start shooting things. <laughs> at
0: this nice. point, at this point, it's gonna happen.
2: At this point, it's just this is his character now. Walks into a room. Is there a skylight? <laughs> you don't understand. I, I started pl- when I started playing this character, I had no personality parameters except for I'm playing this as cat. Like, his, <laughs> his mannerisms are all cat. And one of his like, key character traits is he must have the high ground at all times. So if there are rafters, he will take the rafters over any couch or chair. <laughs> nice.
0: Lance, anything? Did he uh, use like,
3: dice energies, you can recall? Yeah, I, w- I would say it's probably Dante and my uh, drow gunslinger, arcane gunslinger. He, uh, He did not like people. <laughs> but every time, like he was, he was the one that was like, most, how do I put this? you would not go up to him first to ask him things because he was the most kind of intimidating out of their group. Mm -hmm.
4: Uh,
3: But he, he was the one that kept rolling all of the persuasion and all of his charisma based like skills that were not supposed to be charisma. Like, his charisma was not supposed to be good. He was not supposed to like people, but he was the one that would keep rolling Nat 20s on all of his charisma-based stuff. <laughs> Except for intimidation. <laughs> he was proficient in.
4: Oh
2: man. That is uh, just ironic. Yeah, he hated it.
3: Everyone would always come up to him and he's just like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just, it's just like Hallie's boyfriend
0: or husband's orc that he that she talked about last time oh the orc yeah yeah Yeah.
2: could not roll an intimidation check to save his life
4: (laughs) superb charisma
0: Charisma was his second highest (laughs) (laughs) oh Um, that's superb okay uh i think i think we've succinctly answered that question succinct?
2: Um, no, sufficiently, yes. Succinct. Fair. That was not succinct.
0: Fair. Um <laughs> There's a reminder from yourself spy if you want to if you want to ask the question past Ah, you.
2: yeah. So now now we start to grill the guest.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Now, I just I really love the whole concept of void fair. Like it's so special in podcast. Like I haven't seen another spelljammer or even spelljammer style podcast. That the closest that I can think of is actually the Twenty Sided Adventures cast, which is more like space arcane mm-hmm. punk sort of. Um yeah. so I was curious like what sort of like how much of the spelljammer source material you actually use and how much is mm-hmm. like your own devising and uh- stuff.
1: It's a healthy mix. Now I'm not using like really anything uh of the original Spelljammer text wholesale. Um but what I am doing is I'm I'm looking back at that and using it as inspiration to what I am, you know, doing for Voidfare. And even the stuff that I take like the the ships or um specific like Spelljammer races or monsters, um they still go through a process of like reinvention. Uh and that in the in the same sense of like um I guess, for example, we look at, like, how how did 5th edition D&D reinvent a lot of the monsters from that era, that AD&D 2nd edition era? Because they're not conversions. That's not, you know, the same thing, just converted to 5e. They take those concepts and they reinvent them, um, keeping in mind, like, the 5th edition design philosophies. And that's kind of the same process that we do. When we try to take something from Spelljammer or second edition that hasn't been converted yet and bring it into our game. Um, a great example of this is the uh the asteroid hoppers, um, or asteroid jumpers, rather, which are the little mm-hmm. teleporting rats from spelljammer. God, I love them. They, they they're <laughs> a lot of fun. Well, see, the thing is, is that in original spelljammer, they're pretty boring because their teleportability is not something they use in combat it's just like a way to explain why you can fight rats on an asteroid because right. they can teleport to other rats- asteroids and it specifically says they only teleport you know in response to like population pressures and stuff like that I'm like that's boring let's give a swarm of rats a blink dogs teleport ability that's fun <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> and it definitely it definitely spiced that's up the awesome, combat a lot I would say
1: right because you know a swarm that can bamp from one enemy to another is just so tasty.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. I there were a lot of moments in that that uh, section of combat where I could ba- I could practically hear like the, the you know the meme from Jojo the <laughs> nutty <laughs> teleports behind you. Nothing personal
1: kid <laughs> except it's about four hundred rats just before. except
2: it's four hundred <laughs> rats. <laughs> the right. worst thing ever <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but yeah we look at a lot of like the cool spelljammer things and see how can we reinvent them to make interesting uh interesting you know set pieces i guess in in void mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think b also had a a question on that same vein
4: yeah
0: um Obviously, Spelljammer has its own unique creatures, races, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And Reinvention's classic. And because I've listened to Voidfarer, I know a few of those, but I think just in case people listening, is there, like, a few you want to highlight? Like, you know, is that someone who's playing D5E may not know exists, and sure. may not, and like, you may just want to tell them about them because they're cool, they may want to implement them.
1: Can't yeah think. absolutely uh yeah so like actually there's a lot of uh spell elements that have already kind of like on the dl being converted to 5e um things like gif which is available in uh i think uh uh that's yeah the <laughs> uh the mordecai and Stoma foes uh is gif uh the niagi which are like spider-like slave Slavers, uh, those they're in Volo's guide. Um, the Gith Yankee and Githarai uh are already in 5e. These are things that are very prominent in Spelljammer and have already been, you know, low-key been brought into 5e. But then in addition to that, we wanted to do things like doar which obviously Luckbeak Humboldt, one of the player characters um played by my friend Saker, uh, is a Doar, which is a penguin folk. Uh Yes, and uh, that's that's a race from Spelljammer, and it's really funny. We did some reinvention on that too, because if you if you look up the original Doar, like black and white, like ink drawing from Second Edition, uh, they just look like penguins, like they're not. <laughs> They're not like anthropomorphized at all. <laughs> They're just big penguins with a bandolier on. Like uh so so we did some reinvention because obviously you can't hold a crossbow with flippers, uh, <laughs> and stuff oh, wait, like that. I mean, right,
2: it's just it is literally just a macaroni penguin. <laughs> it's
1: a, Yep, absolutely. So we did some reinvention with that. Uh, I have some sketches on what I thought it would look like. And it's it's also doing things like we did the same thing I was talking about before, where we're like, we look at the original versions of stuff that have already been converted to 5e. Um, like if you look at the original second edition Tabaxi, it's not much better than that. Uh, so we kind of looked at how Tabaxi was actually uh, brought to fifth edition in the the artistic changes and then uh, kind of tried to do the same reinvention for the Doar. so I had some sketches and then uh, when we had our original uh, our uh, uh, our official artwork uh, commissioned I passed those along to uh, our artist Rachel Guzak uh, who's awesome by the way you should check her out she's at 8 bit ribbit on Twitter and Tumblr um, and she basically took my ideas and ran with it and we created our our fifth edition version of doar um but the actual stats uh were my own fifth edition homebrew um uh, based on the second edition information so and there's a lot <laughs> doar had like a lot of racial abilities in second edition so i actually split them up between two subclasses um because it was a little ridiculous, uh, like kind of basing things off of fifth edition. They're like, they have a racial telepathy and they have a fanged beak that they can attack people with and they can, you know, do all kinds of other crazy. I'm trying to remember them all. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Penguins OP, yo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, they just had so much stuff. So they had like psionics where they can like cast detect tots and like read people's minds and stuff. And then like it, it was it was a lot of stuff. I'm like, this is a lot for one race. So yeah. let me take some stuff and put it in one sub sub race and then another and put it in another sub race. Um, and uh, and that uh, and I'm not the first person to update Doerr to fifth edition. I found some other ones, but none of them was really. What you what were looking for? Working for me. So I kind of just took matters into my own hands. As you do. <laughs> yes. Have,
0: do you have any plans to like... And this this isn't a question that was written. This is just me tangenting off. Have you ever considered like putting that stuff together somewhere? Like, you know... We,
1: like when- we have. Um, uh, DM's Guild is like the obvious choice. But unfortunately right now... Um spelljammer is not allowed on dm's guild uh and that's because they're only limiting uh the stuff they're allowing people to publish on dm's guild to be related to their current published settings so you can do mm-hmm. you forgotten realms eberron uh ravnica uh and all that i don't i don't think you can do exandria wild mount because that's weird critical role yeah. Thing. But, <clears throat> yeah um uh but yeah like there's a lot of restrictions on what can be published on dm's guild so like we could do something but we would have to be like really careful about how it was put together so um uh like i do know there's like a doar race that's a homebrew doer race that's on uh, D beyond i found but anybody can create homebrew stuff to just put up there on for free. But uh, right. we thought about it. We would have to be careful, like, by kind of like presenting our spelljammer rules, but in like the sense of like, oh, it was a spelljammer that crashed on Toril in the Forgotten Realms, and uh, like that sort of thing to kind of like yeah, make sure to, we uh, stayed compliant with their restrictions, you know? Yeah, you'd have to tie it in.
2: Although with the inclusion of the Warforged, you could also tie it to Eberron as well. Yeah, that is true. So. You so, have a couple of outs but it would have to be yeah you would have to word it very very specifically.
1: Yeah. I think it'd be harder to do with Eberron cuz Eberron has its own cosmology and I think people get confused on how that would work with Spelljammer, but I I remember finding it was like an article or a video um where they were talking about that like Eberron's cosmology kind of is like a microcosmology that exists in its own crystal sphere. So it can still exist within Spelljammer. Um, so, but it's just like an extra layer of complexity with trying to like
4: mm-hmm.
1: tie Eberron to uh, Spelljammer. But we got around it by just saying like a bunch of Warforge just up and left <laughs> 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 because why wouldn't they? People suck to uh, people are just terrible to Warforge on Eberron. It's <laughs> yeah. true. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, Nick, I have a question uh, from one space captain to another. Um, uh-huh. You were saying that you have a, a pretty healthy, like, equalness of mm-hmm. stuff from Spelljammer and homebrew stuff that you've created. What do you think mm-hmm. is your most favorite homebrew creation in Voidfire?
1: Ooh. Ooh, huh. So I'm I'm quite partial to the shambling f- flesh creatures, the dragon flesh creatures. <laughs> Of the, uh of, of the second chapter, because uh, that that was entirely homebrew because um, I was trying to think of like I wanted kind of like an aliens type threat where it's just this like unending swarm of enemies. Um, hmm. And then obviously it was the result of a ancient dragon meeting some terrible demise um, by some invisible threat. Maybe right. we'll learn more about that. But,
4: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh right. Eyes emoji. Uh,
1: right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So it was like kind of like, um, just a, just a result of like kind of wanting that vibe. And, uh, it, it seemed to make sense for the, the story we were telling. Uh, and there wasn't really cuz there was like a short period where i was like kind of looking through the online resources for spelljammer like is there a monster that already exists that kind of does what i want and i really wasn't happy with any of them so i'm like all right time to time to put on the homebrew hat um <laughs> so but again uh everything we did with that uh and the inspiration for that and how it came about was inspired by um so kind of things that already existed uh in the lore of certain monsters um Like uh, I talked about like psionics warping, you know, certain creatures and uh, like uh, they, they kind of like piece together that it might, they, they speculated that the the dragon like was the result of like mind flayer experiments or something. Um, And that's a pretty good theory uh, because like there's something like the mind witness, which is a beholder that has been transformed by like mind flayer experiments. So we were kind of like, I was kind of like following a similar idea, where it's like, you know, if enough psionic energy bombards a dragon to the point where it kills it, what does that do to what's left of the dragon? It's, yeah, right. yeah, that's awesome. Um so, yeah. so that was kind of the inspiration and idea for for that. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. And it was such like a, a interesting and different um thing than i've that I've seen in d and d thus far. So,
2: yeah, i yeah. I really loved that chapter. It was. It was very hair-raising, if you will.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the as someone just gonna say it, monster making may just be my favorite kind of homebrew.
4: <laughs> right. Uh huh. Like yeah, races,
0: class features, stuff. That's always fun.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's always super interesting to give your players something they've never seen before, a, a threat
3: they've never encountered. You know. Hmm. Now a little more light-hearted question for that home brewer in you have you ever just like gone for a drive and seen two animals and been like yes
1: <laughs> uh no but i do pull inspiration from a lot of other uh including uh just like random shit on the internet <laughs> like like there's plenty of like photoshopped animal like combos that i'm like oh well, that's interesting, yeah, uh, and kind of run run with that. or um uh, uh, or or even just like uh, just other random shit. Like actually, uh, there's an account that I follow on Reddit, and they have a, a Twitter as well which she's called uh, it's a d and d monster now. I highly <laughs> recommend it. I highly recommend it if you haven't heard of it before, but like it started on Reddit and it would be random posts on Reddit, whether it's an image or a story about something and this dude would just drop into the comments and drop stats for what that thing would be if it were in if it were a D monster um <laughs> basically awesome. making it a DD monster now uh it's it's really good um i i haven't checked uh i haven't seen anything from them in a while they might have stopped um but but if they haven't uh check them out and even if they have there's there's a huge backlog of things that they've done. So uh I kind of pull inspiration from that where it's like literally anything could be the spark uh for an idea for a and d monster.
2: Nice. Nice. Uh actually that segues pretty nicely into the um horrible D&D idea that I have for this week. <laughs> oh please. Um So yeah, this is horrible D&D ideas that I must try out ASAP and this is from <laughs> This is from the More D&D Monster Facts post by uh, user Prokopets. Um, And I thought this was really funny. There is no such thing as the Tarrasque. The creature is a plausibly deniable fabrication employed to explain away the collateral damage of poor decisions by high-level adventuring parties.
0: (laughs) I kind of love that.
2: D&D Kaiju are just... Just cover-ups by Fantasy Osha or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's, there's so much great. you can do with that. Like, your tavern's on fire? Oh, must have been an elemental, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, but,
0: like, that sounds like a thing that could happen if Forgotten Realms, like, advanced a couple hundred years into modern civilization.
2: Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've been meaning to... I. In my uh, reworking of the concepts behind the Escape Artist campaign, I've gone from, like, with all the memes and shit that my players have thrown at me um, just in the first couple of sessions, uh, I've gone from, like, your average typical fantasy world to I kind of want to do suburban fantasy. Like, that's not something I've ever seen... I've never seen done a whole lot, at least. Onward! Yeah, like... Okay, well, I haven't seen Onward yet, but something like that, where it's like, it's a fantasy world that has achieved the modern era of a sort, where there's the internet, and there's memes, and there's Blu-ray, and, you know, you you watch stuff on your scrying stone, and whatever. Well, um, because and so, because and fantasy OSHA exists.
0: The joke I was reading <laughs> into is elemental insurance.
2: Elemental insurance, <laughs> yeah. 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 Can you imagine that you would You would have to include acts of god under insurance because gods exist (laughs) insurance would have to cover acts of gods plural or just even
0: like you could set your tavern on fire and collect the insurance money claiming it was an
2: elemental exactly oh my god insurance fraud in that world would just add an extra layer of
1: complexity to insurance fraud
0: (laughs) i think we've just made the most the d the d- villain in
2: history <laughs> 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 Oh my God, I have a campaign plot now.
1: <laughs> no, the the media is just ablaze, pun intended, with uh, this these strings of elemental attacks, and in fact, it's just an a very creative arsonist.
2: <laughs> and we've circled around to Spider-Man far from home, but D and D.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fire who really wants to get their name out
1: there. yeah right <laughs> <laughs> nice
0: what this is we, I kind of dig it now <laughs> I kind of
4: dig this character now. I can't,
2: <laughs> can't even remember because I know I have the in joke of fantasy Osha but I don't remember what sparked it I know it was from a one shot um
0: and there we were- was also it was because we were playing your first session of, uh, you played the first session of, um, of the
2: Escape Artist. Oh, the, the the, yeah, the test dungeon. Oh, that yeah. was, that was the test, oh. Was it about drinking the water? I think it was about drinking the water. That was you, the Fantasy OSHA thing. You made a joke thing. about
0: drinking the water. I then, and then I had just watched the Brian David Gilbert video about Smash Brothers OSHA violation, And so <laughs> I mentioned that, and then you made Fantasy OSHA a thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and there was also um when I was testing my I I banged out a RPG system for my Arcane Punk World Sphera, loosely based on 5e in about 2 weeks last fall um and I was doing the test session for a group of my friends here at university and one of the one of the players was a gorgon and um I, I, he was at the bar and he was just drinking really heavily and he was making jokes about how he just lost, he'd lost the kids in the divorce and he'd had a bad day at work. Um, and then later on, we, he joked that he was, he had a, he had scale mail, right? But he joked that it was a business suit. So he's got this business suit that is just all chain mail. Um, <laughs> Including chainmail tie. And and a little bit later, he was saying something. I think he mentioned, like, stabbing his wife. (laughs) Or no, it was, like, getting stabbed or something. (laughs) And one of the other players goes, what do you even do? And he goes, I'm a contractor. we just all lost it because what fucking contracting work do you do you, <laughs> you stab your wife in the divorce hey
0: thieves guilds need real estate too uh,
1: <laughs> so i've actually uh, been working on a upcoming project uh that i guess i can hint here uh, but it is it does incorporate it is D and D fantasy, but incorporates a lot of modern like anachronistic elements to it. Um, but uh, we've been kicking around the idea of uh doing a podcast miniseries, uh, where I run D and D for my brother's rock band, uh, who have all almost never played D and D before. But it would be in a world, uh, a fantasy world inspired by like music and the power of rock and like. Uh, totally not brutal legend if anybody's familiar <laughs> with that but definitely that same vein uh, so you know you have things where adventurers are going out but all adventurers are musicians because of the power of music um, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, a, world God, with it's a, a world full of and... bards <laughs> <laughs> yeah well see like the like so, you know bards are just the lead singers they're just the front men oh <laughs> Oh, okay. But, but due to the power of rock and roll, all adventurers get the inspiration to, to create music. And then musicians, through the power of rock and roll, like it goes both ways, like get the power and abilities to become adventurers. So like they are all one and the same. So like a band can do a, a rock gig at a bar and then get approached by somebody to go handle some task because everybody knows that all bands are also adventuring partners. Uh, oh that's so
2: cool (laughs) that's cool yeah
1: yeah so uh but it would have this like anachronistic element to it where there's like you know hot rods and uh electric guitars and like the adventurers are in their like spike studded leather armor with you know converse chuck taylor's on (laughs) uh like so it's like that's kind of the aesthetic that we would be going for uh but um yeah, that was just a cool idea that I had that we're, we're kind of kicking around in pre-production.
2: <laughs> oh, that sounds so so rad in like the most fundamental definition
0: of the word. <laughs> hey, Spy, I think only you will appreciate the humor of this one word, Shira. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: you have to explain it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, over with the Frostwalkers, one of the She showed up in episode one, but then her player Misty had got a really nice deal for an art college and, you know, life had... Dude, I still keep in touch with Misty and the work she has to do is fucking insane. Misty, if you're here and listening to this, I fucking applaud you. You had to make a video game for a project. What the hell? (laughs) Damn.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: (laughs) So, like, so when that happened, I totally understood why Misty couldn't continue playing, you know? 'Cause like mm-hmm. oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> you, know?
4: you
2: started Jaegering.
0: Right. And so, like good and so, like I said, Misty, if you're listening to this, holy fucking shit. <laughs> but um her character was a bard, an Aetherill Bard, which is a homebrew DM's guild race from the uh Tom of Strange Beasts or Tom of Strange Creatures or something like that. I'll remember it eventually. And it's like <laughs> What would happen if a humanoid mother was possessed while pregnant? And mm. and the child has, like, re- remnant ghost-like ability. So they can, like, see into the ethereal plane and pale skin and their hair floats up and defies gravity, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And they have basically a ghost familiar.
0: Yeah.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: It's such a yeah. cool race.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, um...
0: fin- one of our current players is Aetherill now, Finley. So, and her
2: her ghost is Ambrose, who is the snarkiest little shit to ever exist. He's
0: al- he's already dead, so it's not like he has any inhibitions anymore.
2: Imagine <laughs> Which- Casper, but just a rat bastard.
0: <laughs> the way I described him to Fin to Finley's player was like, basically imagine the typical shit heel little brother character and also give them the limitations of immortality in a ghost form.
2: It's wonderful. And, but and, Shira, Shira is a bard who is like an emo rocker. That's, nice. So, right. she does like gigs and concerts and stuff within the town.
1: That's awesome.
0: And because she's an aetheral, she can pull off that aesthetic even like, even better than you might be able to
2: otherwise. The ultimate goth. <laughs> <laughs> Just <Misty>, metal AF. <laughs>
0: Missy legit told me that the day she created Shira, like, she was thinking about how she had went to an Evanescence concert literally two days before and went, well, this is desperate <laughs> now. Nice. This segment has gone off the rail. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: As it usually
0: does, frankly.
1: It's quality content
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man okay well spy is there is that it for that
2: that was the I was you know the whole point of the segment is just to to spew out this horrible idea and see what we can do with it you know <laughs> so I think we I think we've done with it uh- <laughs> so what other questions do we have
0: Uh oh, there's a few Um, our friend Amelia has a very um a very specific call out post to me. <laughs> um
4: but
0: who knows. It's a have you ever made like a next gen OC of or character based on a character you already have. So like there's that joke of that person who's playing D&D for the first time, their character dies and then they look at their character sheet, write the word junior on it and are ready to go.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I I don't know, like that from that joke facilitates the idea of like, <clears throat> have you had a character who maybe you ended up making a character like that was their grandchild or the direct child or just somewhere down their descendancy in a unique way.
1: I don't get to be a player enough for that to have <laughs> ever had the possibility of happening. Uh, the
0: forever DM. <laughs> uh, for, a relatable feeling. <laughs> one that I'm being unshackled from very soon, but...
4: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, I can't say that I've ever done that, but... B? Ah,
0: You're gonna make me talk about Eradaran, aren't you? I'm
2: gonna make (laughs) you talk about Rin. (laughs) I don't know
0: how much about her I could get into, but I will describe her personality, because she's very fun.
2: She, well, will describe the the origins of yeah of her so um, we understand
0: yes, so Rin was the brainchild of myself and uh, one of the players in twenty s a avon hi um because we had a we were doing an r p in the twenty s a server and in that r p because it was an a u and a very crack a u and very just r p and fun, you know mm hmm uh, the main NPC of campaign one, uh Caleb and her character Daythorn got together. And just on a whim, we created a fire Genasi moon elf hybrid named Eratarin, who would be their like direct descendant. And they became a wild magic sorcerer and everything went off the rails from there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As they do with wild magic sorcerers.
2: Yes. Yep. This is the character who uh B played when I was running the puzzle dungeon. Uh, the aforementioned puzzle dungeon, the fantasy OSHA one, um, <laughs> and the peak of that session was I—I I let her be able to hear the Bigfoot God in her head. Um, now we don't have time to unpack all of that. Yeah, um, but
0: just, just the the deities in Spy's world were based on cryptids. I think is the yeah. one sentence
2: explanation. And and Bigfoot is the god of shrooms, basically. <laughs> <laughs> <That> makes sense. <laughs> So, um, she the patron of Portland. She <laughs> she wanted to impress him, and so B goes. I'm going to bottle flip this thermos that I have, and it. I said, "Oh, okay. What's well? What's in it?" And he goes, "Vodka." I'm like, okay. And he goes, and I also dab while I'm doing it. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Um, roll. I guess. Of course, he got a natural fucking twenty. It was the um, best roll
0: I had that whole game. <laughs>
2: I I never th- in my life thought I would hear someone say I roll to bottle flip my thermos full of vodka and dab to impress the Bigfoot god, but you know <laughs> that's just how D and D is.
1: Roll to be lit, fam.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I haven't played Eradicator in way too long because I feel like every time I play her, she just becomes more chaotic, and I just it's one of those things where it's like. You're you're saved for special occasions. Yeah. (laughs) She probably will end up having a different origin um, eventually because I love the character a lot and I want to use her beyond the place of a super crack AU. So she might end up with like her own, (laughs) like a different origin at some point, you know? Mm -hmm. But I still love her. And that's partially why I want to redo her origin a bit. That's fair.
2: Well, that was a that was a long string of questions. Hey, you know what time it is,
3: Lance? <sighs> it, I'm like literally just jumping up and down in my seat. It is time for Lance's pun pub. And I have a pretty good horrible D and D dad joke today. <clears throat> oh,
4: bring Since it we
3: were. Uh, since we were on such a big topic about bards. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. I, why was the bard so good at learning monk skills?
1: Why was the bard so good at monk skills?
3: was a simple key change.
1: Oh, uh. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: Oh dear! That has been
3: Lance's a- pun pub.
2: It actually <laughs> took me about three seconds to understand, like the full weight of that pun. I I, I oh. have another
3: small one if you guys want it.
2: Okay, hang go on. For it. Is- hang on. Was that just sorry in reverse?
3: Yeah, much. I was. Want- <laughs> All right.
2: Bring it on. Right. Let's have round two.
3: Round two. Uh how big are giant spiders?
2: Just way too big, my friend. About eight feet. Fuck! (laughs) God damn it!
1: (laughs) Nice. Oh, good lord. Thank you. I mean, not after the barbarian gets done with them, but fair. (laughs) (laughs) Then they're about two. (laughs) No, they're
2: about... That would be about 12 feet, but like... Splattered in all directions. Not whole feet, but... No, no. Whole feet. In fragments.
3: (laughs) Incremental. Not talking about the circumference here. We're talking about... (laughs)
2: Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, that was great.
4: Bravo.
3: (laughs) Okay. All right. Gave me Um, this power. You knew what you were going to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have one from Shay again, who asks... um what do you like most slash least about one of the NPCs that you are currently using?
1: Hmm. I have to think about so, that. I just have so many. There's yeah. So many. yeah.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. Think is, I think now is the time where we mention the crew of the void fair are like our, our babies and we love them all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, they're my babies too. <laughs> I, I gotta say
2: Scrooge is my favorite character. I love him so much.
1: Oh, man. Yes. Uh, Scriv. Scriv is one of the first NPCs I developed. Uh, he is one of my favorite.
2: However, you did go a little, pardon the pun, overboard when composing the crew of the Voidfarer, because there are a lot of characters to keep track of.
1: There are. Um, and I was trying to, like, only see, I wanted the Voidfarer to feel occupied. <laughs> <laughs> And in that sense, I think I succeeded. But at the at the expense of like, okay, you actually like there's a lot of characters to actually keep track of. They're not all important, but they do all have names. Uh, So I was trying to like mention the characters So like you at least saw them in passing, but like they're still only maybe the like five or six important characters. Um, But at the same time, like, you know, other things happen on the ship and uh and i pull in those other characters as well uh it's it's been a balancing act and i'm kind of learning the best way to present it as i go um Mm, that makes sense it's an ever-evolving process
0: (laughs) and and depending on what your characters do who who becomes important on the ship might change
1: exactly Like like, like Ravnus being obsessed with uh the Turtle the cook, Coot. Like Coot, uh, yeah un, un, unexpected.
2: <laughs> or our uh, new Tiefling um frenemy, perhaps? Yeah. Uh
1: we'll have to see what's going on with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's uh that had me that I was I was listening to it while um while I was playing No Man's Sky and I had to pause the game and just think uh said out loud. All right, Nick, what the fuck are you planning here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was planning that that like after credit scene, if you will, since the start of the chapter, really.
2: Oh wow. All right. This is very in, premeditated.
1: In, yeah, in 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 one form or another. And then it became even better after Luckbeak's action in the second chapter where he snuck aboard the the Xena Syndicate ship and gave his name to one of the agents of the Caesaran. Uh which I'm like, all right, well, it's on now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm like, that needs to pay off pretty quick, I think, or at least hint that like things have been set into motion, um, which was the whole point of, of that uh, scene. But, uh, but yeah, Odyssey is an interesting character. Cause he was like, obviously when they had the whole discussion about Captain Val, he was the one that he was one of the ones that was very aggressive against Val. And mm-hmm. so the kind of like, have this reveal at the end that he's somehow connected with the Xena Syndicate uh, is is interesting. We'll have to see um, how that goes. That actually came up when I was talking with Saker, who plays Luckbeak, about downtime stuff um, that's going to happen because we're going to pick up in Chapter three and a whole month will have passed. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So um, and then like uh, the way the way we're planning on doing it now is probably the first half of the episode is going to be them talking about what they did during that month. And then we'll like pick and choose certain things to actually like role play out. Um, so we'll kind of jump around in certain scenes over the course of that month period. And then the back half of the episode will be now one month later and what, what's happening then. So, um, that might come up, um, obviously because I can't imagine that Luckbeak is not going to confront Odyssey about that. Right. Um, but who knows? I have I have learned to stop trying to predict what Saker is going to do with Luckbeak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Predicting a rogue is
2: just... It's like asking a dog to meow.
1: Yeah. Well, and he's, he is simultaneously the most rogiest rogue and the least rogiest rogue I've ever uh, like DM'd for.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting seeing not just a rogue that like steals stuff, but a rogue that is a con man.
1: Yeah, uh, he's very much playing to the strengths of the um, mastermind subclass that he's that he's Mm -hmm. rocking. But then on top of that, to be like a pacifist that is kind of like not too super keen on killing people, um, you know, kind of ignoring that whole like sneak attack feature that is like the whole rogue is built around. Yeah, Um, it has been interesting because. Uh it, it it basically means I have to like th- think a lot harder about how I structure combats. We talk about it a little bit in the Q&A episode that we recorded the other day that'll be up next week um about that a little bit. But Saker actually said combat is like one of his least favorite things as 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 a player, um mm. which which is uh not surprising to me. Um but uh but yeah, it's it's just uh about seeing what your players want out of the game and then kind of like tweaking it. That's why the final battle uh, in the Yankee vault uh, was set up the way it was, because it it wasn't just about hitting the monster until it was dead. There was hitting the monster to slow it down, but you couldn't actually kill it. So you had mm-hmm. to either talk with the brain to like get it to stop or to set up the beacon to, you know, then try to run out of there. Uh, right. So there was like multiple moving parts and multiple paths to success, um, and that's kind of the the philosophy I'm going to be trying to take when I set up encounters from here on out. Because yeah, it's I a good luck. isn't going to want to hit the monster, uh, not really. So making sure there's things there that everybody can do uh, to get to the end goal.
2: Yeah, that's a really really good design philosophy when you're setting up encounters and such. Is there's not just one. It's not like a puzzle. There's not just the one solution to the puzzle. There's mm-hmm. there's always going to be, you always have to leave room for your players to do something unexpected and just roll with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think this question was about NPCs. <laughs> <laughs> Originally it was, yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of the show, though, is just yeah. it's, it's
2: meant to be a place <laughs> where we can just ramble and right. people like it for some reason. <laughs> <It's a
1: town. laughs> yeah. Uh, so what so what was it like a favorite thing about an npc and the least favorite thing about an npc uh
3: what do you like most or least about one of the pcs
1: or npcs you are currently playing okay so i love scuttlebutt as a character but i keep procrastinating on actually coming up with his list of phrases that he knows uh (laughs) (laughs) so like and then naturally i won't do it uh For those listening, uh, Scuttlebutt is a kinku who doesn't speak. He only mimics, but he has like a a library of like phrases that he has learned. Um, And I have yet to actually put together that list of phrases. So whenever the party decides to randomly go talk to Scuttlebutt, I have to like improvise. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe eventually I will put that together. But that's like kind of an annoying thing about like playing that character, which I love that character so much. But uh, <laughs> it's an extra level of complexity for running him on. Yeah. Oh yeah,
4: <laughs> um,
0: Lance, you got a NPC that you want to talk about a bit?
3: Yeah, I actually have two that are like I wouldn't say they're my least, but they're definitely I haven't gotten to really introduce them in the way that I wanted to. Uh, one is Sito. Yay! Love that boy. Uh, him. he's turned out to be more of a PC than I was hoping he'd be.
2: Yeah, DM insert, um, and that's a call out to B too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: he he was mainly just supposed to be the the cute AI that you know helps out every now and then, but he's his. His character sheet is like I took the Warforge and tweaked it a bit to fit the lore that I have connected with him, and so he's just he he's not allowed to go with them anymore because they fail their roles, and then he has to save them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but then a uh, another NPC that I I dislike playing so far because I haven't had the opportunity to really express him in the way that I want him to be expressed, and plus I'm just not that evil, is Gabriel. Mm. Uh, I have yeah. not been able to like, they, they always joke when he comes around and stuff and call him gaby baby and st- everything, but I haven't been able to portray how just messed up this man is yet.
2: I'm which, actually looking forward to seeing seeing that.
3: The there, there's a big big twist with uh with that boy, but I'm, I'm excited to like be able to dive deeper with that NPC. And I really like there's the hot scale, as you all know, which is a vital <laughs> information for my players, apparently. <laughs> and uh so I have to think about where they would land on that scale, because if they're below a certain point, the players are not going to want to talk to them. So all like not important NPCs fall below like five on the hotness scale, because then I know the players won't talk to them and won't be interested in them, (laughs) but yeah, those are the two that are like, I'm having trouble playing as NPCs is Cito and Gabriel.
0: Huh. That's interesting because they're some of the ones who've been around for
3: yeah. And I they have, have so much more to I offer, I, too. It's just. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet.
0: I get you. I have to ask because this was, if you recall, one of my earliest theories, like episode two theory, was that Gabriel is an Asimov. Is there any truth to that, <laughs> or is he just a human?
3: Um. So. I, I will. I will spoil this right now. Uh, Gabriel is an Osmar. I knew it.
1: <laughs> ah, that's an appropriate name.
4: Yep.
2: Uh, and it's he, fitting that it's fitting that an Asimar would go after a crew that is half tieflings.
3: Yeah, that was kind of the ironic part. But there is a a, a secret with Gabriel that no one knows about. So you'll be finding Second. that out probably in season two. Early Eyes season movie. Eyes emoji.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, NPC for myself, who I've been enjoying, he also does kind of fall into villain, but I love him anyway. Valdis is I
2: possible. knew you were going to say Valdis. Valdis is
0: my favorite. Oh, man. So he showed up at the very beginning of our finale, and he outwitted the player characters in such a fun way his so a tiny bit of context uh he is one of the like higher members of the evil organization they've been up against the campaign you know and he's his day job is a ringmaster of a circus of so he is a charismatic and intelligent whereas a lot of their past have been very big and scary you know and this is just this like five foot three teeth boy who doesn't seem that <laughs> imposing. And then you discover his plan was to like sick the earlier, weaker bosses once again at the party for the sake of them get getting basically for the sake of him stealing stuff off enemies. So that way he could have a conglomeration of powers, you know? Mm-hmm. He knew the fellow villains would fail because they did already he was able to work them up and get them excited to try again, knowing they'd lose and from there he just became this very like gray area character of is he helping the party is he hurting the party? you know and
2: yeah I he's definitely that, he's definitely been one of the more complex nPCs in the campaign,
0: yeah, and I will say next week his his moment next week is. One of my favorites ever, um, because, minor spoiler, he just, has, he just has a full-on villain, because the leader of this evil organization has left him out to dry, and his plan that he thought of to rake in the party is now going to be used on a much more nefarious purpose, in a much more evil way than even he was anticipating, and he's realizing now he's in over his head and doesn't know what to do. <laughs> And it was such a fun scene to play out with uh, two of my players, um, Andre and Finley, who are stern and serious characters, who basically went in there ready to kill Valdis for something he did prior. And then <laughs> and then they just see him drunk off his ass and just mumbling to himself about how everyone's gonna die and it's all his fault. And it was just such a fun twist to pull on these these players who had nothing but hate for and now they see and it, it was just a really fun it was a really fun moment, super cool to pull that on the players and just keep Valdis in a state of like evil but almost understanding.
4: sympathetic
2: villain,
0: yeah, especially <laughs> since the, or, since the other antagonist arc is the big, bad evil who has no redeeming qualities, however, it was fun to pair him off, almost redeemable, you know, mm-hmm. I love Valdis a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shay plays him in one of the RPs in 20SA too, and she does a great job of his character. I've actually taken a lot of inspiration from her writing Valdis to the way he's been portrayed in the show, because how she just does a fucking job with the character.
4: Nice. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that, way overboard answers that question.
2: <laughs> I don't really have any contribution since I'm not actively playing any campaigns. That's fair. Um <clears throat> I I'm still upset that I missed the chance to well we put off I was gonna play a one shot on um on Monday. Uh, no, I was gonna play a one shot on Sunday that my friend was running and it was inspired by the SCP Foundation. Oh um, nice. Yeah, so it was like he took a bunch of SCPs and, like, mashed them together in this one shot, uh, which we've put off until later this week um, for various reasons. But I was going to play my Goblin Artificer, who I made as basically a joke character. His name is Jerry Rigg, so <laughs> you can tell he's, he's just a one living shitpost. <laughs> um, and I basically, I took the Artificer class and just stripped the subclass from it, and all I gave him was one spell. Uh, he has the standard cantrips, but all I gave him was one spell. It's called Fix This, and it's like Wish, but funny. <laughs> he can, he, when he just casts Fix This at a problem, the problem is fixed, but it's, it operates on the rule of what would be the funniest possible thing to happen right now. So instead of, you know, if you're facing a gap or like this big old chasm, there's no, it doesn't make a bridge. You don't get a magic carpet. No, the ground snaps back into the into place and the chasm is gone. It's
4: fixed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I actually want to uh, ran a uh, dread game based off of the SCP Foundation uh, in the past. Oh, really? It's such a great setting for for dread. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
2: Cause like you have a bunch of, you know, a lot of the SCPs are very creepy, spooky. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Make you you don't want to read them at one a.m. like I did with SCP three thousand, and I still regret <laughs> it. <laughs> <thought> the show <laughs> was really that fucked me up for like two weeks. But I also <laughs> really, really like the funny ones, like five hundred four, the tomatoes that fling themselves in the direction of bad jokes. <laughs> or the what is it three one oh eight the Nerf gun that nerfs things. Nice, I love those.
1: I I like the toaster that uh, you can only refer to it in from the perspective of the toaster.
2: Oh, I love that one—the first-person toaster. Yes,
1: first-person toaster.
2: Uh, or there's a there's a marine biology textbook where if you read it, you are suddenly convinced that you are a fish. <laughs> I forget which I forget which one that is. I think it's in the eighteen hundreds somewhere maybe it's 1843 but it's just it's a textbook
0: how you have this knowledge of the numbers is what boggles my mind
2: (laughs) i read it a lot all right but there's so many they're in the four thousands right now i actually tried i tried to write an scp at one point and it got downvoted off the site (laughs) because it was too lame apparently it was just a building where if you leave fish alone in it for more than five minutes, they disappear. <laughs> that was it. That was the only anomalous thing about it. You just, if you leave fish alone in the building for more than five minutes, they, you come back and they're gone.
1: Nice.
4: <laughs> I love that.
2: Um, yeah. So that was, that. that's my tangent. <laughs> <laughs> i think we have one last question from the silver dusk it looks like thank you silver and this i think we can all um have some good insight on and it says what is the best thing you've used to get the players involved in the world building and how do you do
1: it to get them involved like deeper um Uh, i use their fucking backstories (laughs) 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 uh yeah well the The one thing I did was to give them a a very basic, uh, like, you know, cheat sheet of the world and then to, to like grab onto when they're writing their backstory. And then when I get their backstory, I then back and forth with them about it to tie elements of that in. So then when something comes up later. They'll know, like, oh, you know, the Moonhammer Mining Company, there was something about that in my backstory, or you know, something like that. So, like mm-hmm. taking elements of their backstory and linking it to things in my world building is a great cheat to make them care about the things in my world building.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty solid way to do it.
3: I kind of did the same thing with you, is they like they wrote up their backstories, and I was like, okay. You all come from different, like, different worlds, and so create your worlds. Like, you mm-hmm. guys get to create the world that you guys come from. So, that was really, really fun. Yeah, to, sort of like, um, hear like what they a, came up almost
2: with. like a stars without numbers sort of deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm always that a was... fan of that collaborative ro- uh, world building elements. Yeah,
2: and also I just i really love um when my players make jokes and i just they're too good not to include like fantasy osha and um uh the the sea of jamie Heinemans. <laughs> that was uh uh we talked about this briefly on the episode with luke but um i was i mentioned that there's a landlocked sea in the southern hemisphere of adrian uh and there are, it's there are no whales in that sea and the sea is actually called in the local tongue a sea with this conspicuous lack of whales um and so they started going off on oh my god the campaign has to about ba- has to now be about we have to bring whales into this sea and i'm like no there're like i'm i'm making this shit up on the spot i'm like no there're like giant walruses that fill the space and one of my players just out of nowhere says, oh, so a whole sea of Jamie Heinemans, and all four of us just <laughs> lost our minds. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> it was great. Oh, man. Um,
0: what was say? Right. Um, world-building stuff. Uh, not Jamie Heinemans. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, the... For me, one of my favorite moments... Again, for next week's episode, but this, depending on when this goes out, this will be a spoiler or a think of the past. Um, there was the final pro, the final problem, if you will, the final antagonistic force before the finale is uh this location more of a location than certain. It was the river that we dubbed it, and it was this idea: the party came across the sea little river and it was surrounded by different clerics and paladins you know and the first thing one of our characters notices they're all from different creeds these would be clerics who would be at each other's throats in any other situation you know what i mean like they hate they would hate each other and yet they're standing here arm in arm just guarding this water and these two characters come up and explain that if you go in, you have a chance to fix the greatest mistake you ever made. Mm-hmm. And and it goes off from there. Different characters I will say on this episode because, again, I don't know when this is going out. Uh, Rowan, Sari, and Galdrea jumped in and it was so intense. <laughs> because when that's going on, Val... Uh, Valdis is having his breakdown with Finley and Andre and he literally spills, yeah, no, it's a big scam. A scam I came up with and is now being used by the big bad evil guy. And the idea is it doesn't show you your greatest regret per se as much as the moment you were most afraid. Hmm. Because the the final antagonist feeds on fear and it is lurking on in this water and it is like feasting on these people self-inflicted fear by jumping into this water thinking they can fix the past even though obviously they can't and that became such a good way to convey role play because these characters i asked these players in advance like what would these scenes be and holy shit, they got, they got dark, and I was glad for uh, I'll just say, sorry, where her parents put her up for adoption.
4: And, oh, oh, that hurt.
0: Yeah, and Rowan saw her brother getting attacked, and Galdreya saw the life dying, and just like, these horrible moments in their lives that I got to. Basically, show them again and again and again as they tried to. And it was such a dark, it was such a dark antagonistic force, but it did a great job of making these characters have these tragic moments. They really, and the players did amazingly at feeling them, you know? So when the threat is part of their backstory, not just in the sense of like implementing aspects, but like when the threat is directly attacking them in their heart, you know? that That is, to me, that's one of the best ways to get them interested. Yeah. Then again, All you right. can't pull, You can only pull that so many, many times before they fucking pitchforks and torch raid you out of the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Alright. Seems
2: like a pretty solid answer. Oh, that was... Oh, there you go. (laughs) B?
4: Yeah.
2: All right, that sounds way better.
4: (laughs) Okay.
0: Is it time?
4: I Oh,
2: I had a couple more questions just about Voidfarer. Um, Oh, go go for it. I was really curious how the original idea of the Voidfarer campaign came about. And I think you may have talked about this in your... First Q and A session on the Void Fair, but I just I want want to know.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I think I did mention it in the first Void Fair Uncharted, which is what we're calling our little like Q and As and hangout like bonus episodes that we were doing over on our podcast. Uh, but, uh, it came about, um, just cause we were trying to do something different, you know, uh, originally, uh, back when myself and my friends, um, under the, the umbrella project derailed, uh, which, uh, is basically the, the website that we created as the platform to do whatever nerdy ideas came to us, whether they're blog posts or videos or streams or podcasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the brand we created for that and we were dabbling with doing regular twitch streams but that was proven to be a little bit uh kind of difficult uh logistically to to continue doing but originally <laughs> uh, what became voidfarer uh was originally conceived as a uh as a potential twitch stream and then we kind of uh, as I got into, you know, listening to actual play podcasts a little bit more, I was like, Oh, no, actually, I think we could do it as a podcast. And then the fact that it's uh, like Spelljammer came about because um, I originally wanted to do D&D, but space fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then after the fact, I learned more and more about Spelljammer. And I'm like, well, actually, this is kind of, you know, not too far off from what i was already in mind plus it's a great callback to a setting that a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for um plus treasure planet's fucking cool
3: oh. yeah <laughs> it is yes.
1: uh so so like kind of that aesthetic with D and everything and everything kind of fell into place and the more i read about Spelljammer, jammer the more i fell in love with it and um so that's kind of how we landed on that
2: yeah, actually, Voidfarer was my first exposure to Spelljammer. I had no idea it even existed, but now I'm mm-hmm. like, um, I told my some of my university friends here about it, and one of them is just like constantly begging me, you got to run a Spelljammer campaign. Please, <laughs> I want yes! to play Treasure Planet. I'm like, okay, just give me some time. i got to think.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Well, what's, what's really weird is that like Spelljammer at the time, when it first came out, I guess was super polarizing. Cause it's it's a really weird setting. <laughs> there's lots right. of weirdness, but uh, but I think there's a lot there that can be taken and reinvented and stuff to to kind of like lean into that weirdness and uh, kind of make it something unique and kind of shun and leave behind a lot of the other that kind of dragged it down and not so great. So you're kind of taking the best and leaving rest, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, which is the great, great thing about, you know, kind of reinventing that setting, you know. Uh, not only were we updating it for 5th edition, but we also set it, like, hundreds of years after when, like, the Spelljammer publications would have came out. So, it gives us the freedom to, like, say how the world has advanced um, and kind of give us some plausibility in that regard. So, right. uh, mm-hmm. it's been it's been a blast kind of playing in that sandbox.
2: Yeah, I, and part, my and current idea is... Sorry, um, my current ideas are I actually have an idea for a one shot, but um, I'm I'm a huge space nerd. I mean, my major is space science. So Same. I went I, to space camp.
1: Really? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I got to go to space camp twice uh, when I was in, a freshman. in high It was a blast. I was a huge space nerd growing up.
2: Yeah, but mm-hmm. um, I'm very passionate about like. Of being faithful to like the laws of physics and how space actually works. <laughs> um so reading about Spelljammer, I understand that it's like fantasy, but the idea of crystal spheres is a little and mm-hmm. eh, to me. It's a little too 14th century in my mind. So yeah. I kinda wanna take that and do it more along the lines more along the lines of Treasure Planet, where there are actually, you know, star systems all in the one either, or even just in actual space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out, I, I was talking to an old friend of mine from my scout troop, and he mentioned a system called Hyperlanes, which is 5th mm-hmm. edition converted for science fiction. So mm-hmm. instead of magic, you have super science uh, and such. And it's I downloaded the PDF. Uh, it's by Scrivened Publications. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Nice, and it's really, <laughs> it's really, really cool. So now I'm having, you know, big ideas about. Oh man, I could really do something with this.
1: It's kind of um, like that, um, like Starfinder approach, um, that like that and Pathfinder was doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's where it's you know fantasy, but more science fiction, um, space right. travel than than pure fantasy space travel.
2: Yeah. Um, same thing with Twenty SA. The
4: mm-hmm. the
2: term the genre for that I've found is called arcane punk, where it's it's magic. Mm-hmm. But it's like magitech,
4: mm-hmm. um,
2: and this would specifically be like space ar- arcane punk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I'm also like really enamored with the idea of zero gravity in spaceships. Like I, artificial gravity is convenient, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just more convenient and more fun to play around in zero gravity. So. No artificial gravity. You all have to make dex checks constantly,
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was one of the bigger hurdles I had with with Spelljammer as well, because, like I love the idea of realistic uh, interpretation of space. Um, and uh, and I do tr- still try to incorporate some of those elements, like within the context of a crystal sphere, um, like the idea of like, you know, potentially like supernovae and Nebulas and and that sort of thing. And theoretically, you could create a crystal sphere that is large enough that it has a universe inside it that is more than just a solar system, but like a series of solar systems and stuff. Like the great thing about Spelljammer is there really isn't a limit uh, to the creativity that you can do inside the confines of a crystal sphere. Like shit, there's crystal spheres where there's like giant star beasts of like a, a harlequin that is juggling the worlds. <laughs> uh and it's like, you know, or like things like um uh like Discworld, uh, you know, like where the whole world is flat and on the back of a giant of a turtle. Of, yeah, uh like uh the like the possibility for that sort of thing is built into Spelljammer. So you could go from that all the way to something that is more you know, realistic uh, and still keep it within like kind of the framework that Spelljammer has provided. So once I kind of grasped my head around that, I, I became a lot more comfortable with leaning into a lot of the like kind of weird fantasy elements of the Spelljammer setting. Because mm-hmm. I yes. agree, like space is just cool anyway, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like no. space in reality is super fascinating and cool uh and i'm right there with you on that (laughs) yeah there's just it's even
2: though there are rules um -hmm. there's it's just a massive sandbox of imagination um sure and i i love the different synonyms that people use for it actually like you know the the great void the black the big nothing is one of my personal oh nice the big nothing credits Mm -hmm. to star tripper for that one Mm -hmm. Um, I actually recently wrote an entire rant about, okay, here's what space is like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the, the rules are space is big. Light is fast. Um, everything is moving. Gravity is the law of the land. Um, inertia cannon will liquefy you and relativity sucks, but you
1: can ignore it if you're sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: It was a long rant. I read it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We I, do you mind if I put like a Google Doc link in the show notes?
2: I actually what put that? it up on my Tumblr so I can send you that link.
0: Yeah, that works.
2: <laughs> um,
0: um. But anyway, is do you think do you have any more questions, by Or do you think it's time for our ending ritual? I Ready? think
2: I think it is time. I think it is time we subject our guest to the horrors of Cursed Homebrew. So
0: for those uninitiated, Cursed Homebrew is a is a segment that I came up with where I scour the D&D 5e wiki for the worst oh, of the worst. Boy.
1: Oh <laughs> and, boy, I can't and, and, wait. <laughs> last last week,
2: week, week it was Mario Kin and I suggested something to be and he teased it at the very end.
0: And but... I hate it and I hate you for fucking making me find this. But hey,
2: you could have said no. This was I your choice.
0: You challenged me <laughs> at my honor as a cursed homebrew finder, and I had to fucking. <sighs> this is a long, longer post, so I'm gonna I'm going to warp around it, which is the biggest hint, ladies and gentlemen. The five E class, Sans. That's it. Sans the-
1: Undertale. It's the cl- it's a
0: class. <laughs> I don't understand.
1: <laughs> I, I have questions. <laughs> we may have
3: answers. I, I cannot promise. <laughs> okay. 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 I have more concerns than questions. That's probably Are- a better. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: going to read the first paragraph and then jump around to some significantly awful things. Uh, a lone skeleton comes up against a massive ancient red dragon. As the dragon unleashes a hellish blast of flame, it notices that the skeleton is suddenly behind him. The skeleton says, did you really expect me to just stand there? And disappears again. All of a sudden, the dragon is slammed into the roof of the cave and becomes spike- and suddenly spikes through the ceiling. All around the dragon, massive skulls float, charging multiple lasers. As the ashes of the dragon slowly float away, a single blue eye glows in the darkness and then vanishes. <laughs> I fucking hate this writer oh so good.
4: This is
2: so horrible. <laughs> and is there, is there an April Fool's Day tag on this one? No! Oh, this is serious. <laughs> We're really in it now, folks.
0: I uh, There are two tags, though. This page is incomplete and or lacking flavor. Reason. Almost no <laughs> class page is in a finished state when it is first posted. This page is of questionable balance. Reason. Features need to state how often they can be used.
1: What? <laughs> oh, no. Isn't that, like, the one thing that should be done? <laughs> like, if you do anything with your class feature, you need to say how often it can be used.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, God damn it, This has to be a meme, but they somehow avoided the April Fool's tag, and I hate them for it. Okay, I don't... There's so much. There's so much. <clears throat> they do get extra attack. There are these things called shortcuts, which is a long-ass post, which I won't read. But uh, due to your incredibly low hit points, you've developed a way to get to avoid getting damaged in battles by totally legit methods. You gain three plus your dex bonus plus your proficiency bonus endurance hit points that regen on a long rest. Do I have to keep reading this? <laughs> They've made so much. All your attacks bypass resistances and immunities uh, at level five. Wait, hold on. Worse.
1: At level five, bypass all resistances I mean, and immunities.
4: Yep. It's called this totally. This is so broken. Poison it's called level. what?
0: It's the ability is called totally cheating.
4: Oh, okay.
2: I, I mean that. That's at correct. least they're
1: at least they <laughs> about they're it. Dumb. This is satire. This has to be satire. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way this is serious. But somehow, it doesn't have the satire tag.
3: Whether whether this is serious or not, you have to think that somebody sat down with their time and did this.
1: This time they're never going to get back. (laughs) Hang on, B, when was this created?
0: Good question. Um, let me look, let me look.
1: Because if
2: it was created in the last couple of weeks, then yeah, okay, they're in quarantine, they just want to fuck around. (laughs) But any <laughs> other point in history has no excuse.
0: I cannot find... It's asking me to edit the page. I don't want to do that. I don't want to make dirty my hands with this. Get away from
2: me. <laughs> We're discussing it live on a podcast. We're as dirty as we can be right now.
0: Yeah.
1: I need to take so, a shower. <laughs> it,
0: gets a, it, gets, it gets three extra attacks. I hate this call. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, this has to be a joke. This has to be a joke. Um, I will, I will jump to the worst things ever. At level 18, you get a bad time. Using an action, you can tell the enemies that they will have a bad time. If the battle continues for the next five turns, all your techniques do 2d6 extra damage. Fucking broken, I hate it. At level 20, you've developed ways to fight against your worst enemies. You can only use this attack when you're within 40 hit points or less. You will spend your action and bonus action to make your special attack using all your energy. You hey guys, will- I'm sorry.
1: Someone's knocking on the door. I gotta be right back.
0: It, oh god, it's Sands.
1: He knows.
0: It was Sans. He hears us talking shit. Holy fuck. Um,
2: do the I sun have- is shining. Flowers are blooming. Owl bears are chirping fuck you On days like this <laughs> adventurers like you should be rotting in a dungeon
0: i hate it so much do i have to keep reading more of this shit um, oh no i will i will, I will state at second level techniques they get is like their version of like warlock invocations and it's basically just the abilities from the sans fight in undertale oh good pop- god blaster blaster's bone walls the whole shebang. oh no it is a
2: wordy class. Someone took hours out of their time to create this monstrosity. Ugh. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that.
3: It's okay. No problem. problem. Um,
0: yeah. I was just saying, um, in, like, I was just saying they have techniques, which is their version of warlock invocations, and it's basically just their way of fitting everything from the sands fight into this one fucking D and B post. And I, <laughs> the the amount of effort. That must have gone into this
2: terrifies uh, me. This is horrible, and I'm so glad that we got to find it.
3: <laughs> uh, no, <a> B. <laughs> Yeah? Oh, I know we're running low on time and this was kind of the end, but not only can you play uh, Sans as a 5e homebrew class, you can also play font Skeletons as a 5e homebrew race. Motherfucker! No! Just thought <laughs> oh, so I'd throw no. that out there. Oh, this is so In case bad. you wanted to go 100% really bad idea, you can do that.
2: D&D I'm campaign look- genocide route speedrun.
3: Don't you fucking talk!
2: <laughs> Does that make Chris a murder hobo? Or, sorry, Frisk? Does that make Frisk a murder, Hobo? Oh no,
0: guys, <laughs> fuck it does exist. It does exist. <laughs> okay okay, okay, okay. The biggest what the fuck? The font skeleton race does have the April Fool's tag. The Sans class does not.
4: Oh boy.
0: The D D homebrew wiki is the lawless West.
2: <laughs> oh my god. It's just I mean, between the Mobians, the Mario Kin, and Sands, we are truly just deep in bad territory. Guys... How how are we going to top this?
0: We're going to have to, like, deviate from the video game scene, maybe? Yeah. I think think that's been our... Like, we started with just a chicken, and then we kind of sunk deeper into the tar pit that is video game bullshit. Oh god. And yeah. now I'm, just, I'm kind of like I'm kind of video gamed out. I think we've already made Wreck It Ralph in D and D, so like I think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good from there. Unless unless you guys want
2: the Halo Spartan.
4: Didn't we already do that though? We
2: definitely mentioned it.
0: We mentioned its existence, but I didn't really go into it. Admittedly though, the world of Halo could make for an interesting
2: game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the folks in our server uh, was talking about their grandma is running an Elder Scrolls campaign for them, oh, which wow. is just the coolest awesome. shit.
0: So, like, video games have a place in the tabletop, in the tabletop world, but Sans doesn't. Please, no. <laughs> Get him away. Stop. I'm not ending two episodes with Megalovania, Spy.
2: <laughs> I'm not asking you to.
0: All right, I think I think my mental breakdown over Sans is enough
3: to satiate a nap now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> to satiate the bloodlust <laughs> of our listeners.
2: Oh man! All right. Well, it was so great having you on the show. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. It was so much fun. <laughs> um, These
3: always are great. I may have been uh, fanboying the entire time you were here. So just- yeah,
1: did it all now keep going this is great for my ego
3: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) settle in for the next three hours buddy oh god (laughs) all right everybody talk to you later oh actually wait Uh, oh
0: no no Uh,
2: No. no. nick
0: how can people find what you're doing because we were about to let it this episode end without letting you
2: plug
1: (laughs) all righty well my name is nick ursiva you could follow me on twitter at nick underscore Siva. Uh, that's spelled U-R-O-S-E-V-A. Uh, I am the DM of Tales of the Fair. You can follow Tales of the Fair on Twitter at VoidfarerPod and at Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Our new episodes are every other Tuesday, but we are taking a little hiatus until uh, just to get out in front of our production schedule a little bit. So the um, the good news is, is the whole first two chapters are available for your binging pleasure while you're in quarantine. So, uh the the premiere of chapter 3 will be on April 28th
2: Oh, that's so Ooh. far away.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But uh for anybody good. who's just learning about Voidfare for the- It's also going to be a great jumping
2: Oh, yeah, you can catch up on all of the episodes in that time. Yeah.
0: It's all very right. good and our high recommendation. All right, everybody. Uh we'll talk to you guys soon. Um Bye! Stay
2: moist!
4: Bye! <laughs>